Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. So we're continuing in our series on Out of the Ruins, out of Nehemiah, and uh, we are, we're jumping in to chapter 2, verses, eight, uh, verses 10 through 18 this morning. And before we get there, I have a question for you. Have you ever felt have you ever felt that God was leading you in a direction that he was giving you uh, uh, something to do and you, you, you had confirmation of it? You felt led by God to, to go in a certain direction or to ha- do a, perform a certain action and you had all the signs that were pointing in that direction. But when you got there, immediately you felt like you were in the wrong place. Immediately you felt like, oh, I think I missed God. Has anybody ever, ever, ever been in that situation before? You felt like, God, you're calling me to this, but then you get there and it's the hardest place you've ever been in in your life. This actually happened for Faith and I, ironically, when we moved to Madeira. I know, right? Madeira, what? We moved to Madeira and we felt God called us to Madeira. We were pastoring in Sacramento at a, a church there and we were a part of a large church staff, of people that we loved and we enjoyed hanging out with. And we just felt this stirring. God was saying, I want you to go to Madeira. And at that time, there was the only thing that was in Madeira was, was my family. And that's great. I love my family. But that's really all we felt like God was saying, go to Madeira. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe I know my dad wants to transition out of beekeeping. So maybe God's wanting me to be a part of that, help him transition out, maybe even take over the business. Because he was also calling me to return back to school at the seminary to receive a master's in divinity at school. So I thought, that's perfect. I'll work bees. I'll do school. And we're just going to trust God for the in-between, right? So we move here. We have all the signs are pointing us, yes, to Madeira with confirmation. Yes, we're supposed to go. We get down here, and within three months, we're like, uh-oh, I think we missed God. Faith and I looking at each other like, man, it is a struggle. Everything just seemed like it was working against us. We had hard times. We felt, man, it was almost like the spirit of heaviness was on us. We asked God, why are, why are we here? Why are we here? I mean, I love my family. I have my, my grandpa who just turned 94 on Friday. We were with him. I got to watch, you know, my great, my grandpa, my dad love on, on my, my kids, which is a very special thing. And that was beautiful. But faith and I began to ask the Lord, did we miss you? Did we miss you? I thought there was more than this. It just felt like we were unfulfilled. And it was as if everything was against us. We heard God, but then in the midst of it, it seemed like it was all wrong. And it wasn't until... Almost a year ago, on the 18th last year of this month, that God called us to be in this house. And we've almost been here one year. And it was in that moment, then we saw why God had called us to Madeira. But before then, it was a struggle. It was difficult. It was hard because we felt like we didn't have community. We didn't have people that we, were, we weren't pouring into. And here's my point this morning. If we had allowed the hardness and the obstacles and the frustrations that we were feeling in those moments dictate what we were going to do, we would have never been here. We would have never met you. We would have never grown to love you. We would have never been a part of Hosanna Worship Center and what God's doing here. If we allowed the obstacles to dictate where we were going. I want to preach to you this morning out of that idea. That in the face of opposition and impossible moments, that's when God's greatest victories are born in our lives. That's when they're established in our lives. 
And had we have listened to the opposition and the impossibility, then we would have walked away. But it's in those moments when we have obstacles and, and challenges to what we think God has said to us and what we think we believe about God. It's those times when our faith is challenged and we, our, our belief in God is challenged. It's, it's crucial when, we, when we, we begin to experience those things to decide, are we still going to be faithful to God? Or are we going to allow the obstacle to dictate our future? Are you ready? It's because we knew what God had said to Faith and I that we stayed in Madeira until the door opened. We stayed here. We were going to be faithful. We knew that we heard God. It just felt like we missed him in the moment. You ever been there? I think that we've all had times in our lives that we experienced this. And if you haven't experienced it, guess what? You will. That's a promise from me. You will experience something in your life that will challenge your faith, challenge the direction that you're supposed to go, and you're going to wonder, did I miss God or not? Sometimes when those times come, comfort looks a lot better than obedience, doesn't it? Because to be, to be obedient, sometimes we have to go through some difficult things. We go through some difficult times. Sometimes it looks easier to turn around, to go back rather than to stand up. There are going to be times when we're going to feel like I just need to cut my losses and walk away because it looks better than staying and rebuilding what has been torn down. Amen. Am I talking to anybody today? See, Nehemiah, he had to face that choice too. Nehemiah knew what God had called him to do. He got approval from the authority over him, the king over him to go to Jerusalem. And when he arrives in that moment, he faces opposition. He knew what God had called him to do, but it was in amidst the opposition that Nehemiah had to choose either to stay faithful or turn and run. This is what it says in verse 10. But before we get there, I want to say that in this passage of Scripture, I think that we'll see that in the midst of opposition that God's greatest victories are born in us. No matter how bad things look or how bad things are in the moment, God can use the rubble of our lives and the ruins and the tough situations to rebuild our lives and the lives of others and give us victory if we stay faithful. Amen? Let's read verse 10. When Sanballat, the Horite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Sanballat, he's the guy who's, who's the governor of Samaria. When Nehemiah left the king, he says, give me, do you remember this from last week? Give me letters to give to the governors beyond the river to say, I have your authority to do what you've called me to do or what God has called me to do. Do you remember? He shows up and he presents the letters to the governors and Sanballat is one of the governors. And he's in the area of Samaria, which was where northern Israel was. And that's when the people of Israel would, were not following God. They began to intermarry with other tribes around there and they became the Samaritans. And now he's governing these people. So basically he's a cousin of the Israelites. He's a, re he's a relative of the Israelites and he's already displeased that someone has come for their welfare. Tobiah, he's also an interesting guy. He's either a deputy to Sanballat or he's a, he's a Persian royal official. And his name, get this, means Yahweh is good. 
He's saying the God of Israel is good, and yet he does not support the welfare of God's people. That's interesting to me. I think that when we are following the will of God for our lives, there are going to be people who we think should be supporting us that will not support us. There will be people that we think will have our backs, but they will not have our backs. There are going to be people who say Yahweh is good, but he's not good for you. There will be times when people, because of what God's calling you to do, they aren't willing to support it. And I think that's for a couple of reasons. One, it's because they don't have the confidence in you that you can do what you say God has called you to do. They say, I don't think I don't think you're ready. I don't think God's called you to that. I don't think God has equipped you for that. I think you're going to miss it. And it's out of fear and concern that they don't want to see you crash and burn, that they'll talk against the very dreams God's put in your heart. Either that or they're concerned about where that leaves them in this process. Well, if God's doing something great in your life, well, where does that leave me? Because they want you to be dependent on them or they have a weird relationship where where they support you, but they don't want you to be they don't want you to exceed where they're at. They'll support your dreams just as long as you don't surpass the dreams that they have. Come on. Have you ever encountered anybody like that? You start following God and they're like, hey, you better calm down. You're getting a little too religious. You're getting a little too radical. Why don't you tame it down just a little bit? You want to go to church every Sunday? What's wrong with you? I mean, God's good, but really, I mean, come on. Yahweh is good, but are you really that serious? You got to be a fanatic about it. You got to pray every day. You ever encountered anybody like that? Sometimes they're fearful of what God's doing in your life and where that's going to lead them in your relate in their relationship with you. If you go to church every Sunday, when we, we can't hang out, when are we going to go to go boating? When are we go going to go hang out, go camping? I mean, you, every Sunday, you're going to have people like that in your life, or it could just be flat out they're in opposition to God. They don't like God, they hate God, and they don't want to see anything of God in your life. But here's my first point I want to point to you this morning. Not everyone will support your decision to follow God, but follow him anyway. Not everybody is going to support your decision to follow God, but follow him anyway. I think Nehemiah, the Bible tells us that he was aware of his opposition, but still he knew what God had called him to do, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So he said, even in the midst of this opposition, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. In verse 11, he says this. And then Nehemiah speaking, I went to Jerusalem and after three there, three days, I set out during the night with a few others. And I had not told anyone what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. Do you notice that Nehemiah, he didn't run around the town when he first got there saying, hey, guys, I'm here. I'm going to make this happen. This place is going to be legit now. Man, we're going to have we're going to have gyms. We're going to have this, this, this city's going to blow up because I showed up. He doesn't do that. He doesn't he doesn't pull a Joseph where he runs around telling everybody the dreams that God's given him before they're actually realized. He, he knows in the face of opposition, sometimes you need to hold what God's put in your heart close to the chest and not expose it until it's ready to happen. And so he doesn't run around telling everybody because he knows the opposition that he's facing. That God had given them this dream, but he wasn't really to give it out there yet until he counted the cost. I think sometimes we forget that we have to count the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. 
Sometimes when we are following Christ, there are going to be have, there's going to be relationships and friendships that will have to end because they continue to lead us in the wrong direction. And we're not ready for it yet when we come to Jesus and say, oh yeah, I want Jesus, I love it. And then we go back and it's everything is in opposition against us. You got to count the cost. There are going to be things that you're just going to have to let go of when you follow Christ because not everybody is going to be ready to support you, but you got to follow him anyway. My next point is not everybody is ready for what God has put in you, but do it anyway. You're not going to get the support. You might have people that talk against what the, the God's put in your heart to do. They're not going to be ready for it, but do it anyway. Nehemiah in verse 13 says this, by, by night, I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well. Maybe some of your translations say serpent's well or dragon spring. It's the same root, root word in Hebrew. And he goes from there to the dung gate examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. The walls are so bad, they're in such disarray that his donkey can't even get through it. I don't know about you, but donkeys go into the Grand Canyon and come back out again on small little trails. Right, guys? You guys are just in the Grand Canyon. Did you ride a donkey? Were you being Nehemiah in the Grand Canyon? Donkeys can get through small remote places. And Nehemiah says, the walls are so busted up, my donkey can't even get through. What does that mean for us? Nehemiah was in this place where he knew God was calling him to, and he has opposition from people he thought would support him but didn't. And now the damage is so great, it seems so severe that he's, he has to tell us, it's so bad, my donkey can't climb over it. Everything seems ruined. What God has called me to do, it seems too big. It seems too far gone to repair. It's, it would be better just to scrap it and start over because this is too messed up. That's what he's saying. My, my donkey can't even fit through. Some of you are saying these relationships I'm in, these, the, my marriage, my marriage is so jacked up, a donkey couldn't even walk through it. I don't know how that works, but just picture it in your mind, okay? The ruins are so severe. How could God call me? To these ruins. These are fake, by the way. I'm not that strong. How could God, yeah, how could God call me to repair this relationship? How could God call me to live sacrificially with this person who, who doesn't love me, doesn't treat me well? It would be better for me to turn and walk away. And stay and rebuild. It's so messed up. It's too far gone. Could God really do something in my life? I believe that God has called us to stay faithful. To do it anyway. God might tell you give up. Or people might tell you give up. God would never tell you to give up. God would never tell you walk away. Because he's a God who can rebuild the ruins of our lives. And bring us victory out of the ruins. Amen? Amen. Nehemiah, he goes around and he examines the walls and it's so messed up. And in verse 15 it says, So I went up to the valley by night examining the wall. And finally I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. And the officials didn't know where I had gone or what I was doing. Because as of yet I had not said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or any others that would be doing the work. 
Nehemiah, he's examining the walls, and it's worse than he could have imagined. The walls are broken down. The gates are burned up. So bad, his donkey can't get through. And it seems that the work that God has called him to do in life is too big, too far gone for repair. And the walls and the ruins that Nehemiah examines should discourage him. But you know what I love about Nehemiah? He doesn't allow the ruins to dictate the calling. Sometimes the ruins speak really loudly, don't they? The destructive uh, nature of what we see before us, the, the lives that have been destroyed, the, even in our own lives, and we think the, the ruins, their word seems to be louder than God's word in our hearts. We need to stop listening to the ruins and start listening to God. We need to stop looking about how broken we are, how broken relationships are, how broken situations are in our life, because then we begin to live by the brokenness rather than the word of God. Are you hearing me? Don't allow the ruins to dictate your future. Don't allow the ruins to tell you how your life's going to be. Don't allow the ruins to tell you this won't work for you. It's too far gone and things are too burnt up. The bridges are burned. The gates are burned. Everything's been destroyed. The ruins have no right to speak to you. Only God has the right to speak to you. Believe his word over the word of the ruins of your life. Nehemiah could have been discouraged by the walls being torn down and the gates burned up. But he's not. Can you relate to Nehemiah? We spoke about in week one where God is a promise keeping God. And we, we hold on to those promises and we're going to take we're going to take hold of every opportunity that he gives us. But what if what if when we're walking in the promises of God, saying that we're a new creation, we're a child of God, we belong to him. We're walking into every opportunity. We're seizing it, saying, God, we believe that you're going to speak and move and we're going to love on people. But what if when we get to that point? There are obstacles all around us and begin to press us. Do we give up and walk away? Or do we trust God through the process? Because he's the one who rebuilds the ruins of our lives. So that in the face of opposition, the greatest victories are born in us. Amen. Amen. Nehemiah wasn't discouraged. He knew what God had said to him. The word of God is more powerful than the ruins of our lives. My third point this morning is not everything is going to look perfect when following God, but follow him anyway. Not everything's going to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. Your life's not going to be perfect. Relationships won't be perfect. But perfection is not the the thing that dictates our relationship with God. The perfect one is, and his name is Jesus. And it's through his perfection in our lives that we are able to follow him in our imperfections. Not everything's going to be perfect. It's not going to be all roses and butterflies and rainbows. It just won't. But that doesn't dictate how we follow Christ. Amen? That's what Nehemiah did. He didn't allow the rubble to determine the outcome of his mission. He kept following God. It doesn't matter what things look like in the moment. Sometimes we get so narrow-minded that it, we only see right here, right now, and we don't see the promises of God ahead of us. And we stop this moment 
we allow this moment to stop us from getting to where God wants us to be. But Nehemiah knew that in time, God would reveal to his people what he had called them to do. And so he sees that opportunity again. In verse 17, he says this. I love his speech to the people. He gathers them and he says this. You see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. And I also told them about the gracious hand of God that's on me and what the king had said to me. Nehemiah, he's, he's honest. He tells people, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. We're in trouble. I mean, it's jacked up, guys. Like this relationship that I'm in is bad. It's messed up. But we can rebuild it because God is with us. What I love about Nehemiah, he didn't allow people, his peers, to dictate and get in the way of God's hand upon him and the authority of the king behind him. He had letters from the king saying, you can do this. Do you know you have a letter from the king who says you can do this? It's called his holy word. And you can read it and say, this is the authority I stand on by the king of kings and the Lord of lords who, who has walked with me and given me the right to do these things in my life. The authority of the king is with you. The hand of God is upon you. So the ruins of your life and the ruins of others' lives doesn't dictate their future, God's word does. Nehemiah, he tells the people of Jerusalem, we're in trouble. Without walls, the people had no protection. There was marauders and raiders. and People could come and attack and destroy everything they built up in a moment without walls to protect it. They were vulnerable to attack and he says, but we're going to rebuild the wall. So that we're no longer a disgrace or no longer a reproach. And this idea of being a reproach is similar to discrediting yourself or others by the way you live. Nehemiah is saying here that what God is calling him to do will not only be a part of fulfilling God's promise to restore the people of God. Back to the land of promise, but he'll also restore the people back to their God and give God the credit. Sometimes in your life, following God, it'll be difficult. It might be hard. It might be troubling. People might tell you, just give up. But if you don't give up and you stay faithful, then the witness of your life will allow others to see God in you and give him glory. Sometimes as believers, we are a reproach to God. That means we, we discredit the goodness of God by the way we live our lives. We say God is good, God is faithful, God gives us peace, God gives us joy, but we do not live that way. And people see it and say, I thought you served a good God. I thought you loved God. I thought God is a God of peace. Where's your peace? I thought you said God was a God of joy. Where's your joy? And they reproach the name of God by the way we live our lives. And it's because of opposition. And life is heavy. Life is hard. And I'm not discrediting you if you have bad days. I'm not saying that. But I am saying this. You serve a God who gives you joy and peace and love and kindness and goodness and self-control. And you can live that out so that people can see that God is a good God who loves his people. 
So you and I, when we walk in obedience, even in the face of opposition, we'll say, I'm not going to turn from this mission because I don't want to reproach the name of Christ. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. You can say things about me. You can attack me behind my back, but I'm still going to worship the God who is faithful because I knew what he told me to do. And the ruins of these li- this life does not dictate my future. The one who holds my tomorrow dictates what I do. Amen. In the midst of opposition, God's greatest victories are born in us. No matter how bad things look, no matter how bad things get, God can use the rubble and the ruins of our lives and the tough tough situations that we're in to rebuild our lives and the lives of others and give us victory. Your obedience is not just for you. Your obedience is also for others. Your obedience to God in the midst of hard times will speak to others' lives as well who are going through hard things, and you can point them to Jesus as well. I know it. I know it for a fact. People will see you going through things, and they'll say, why haven't you given up yet? Why are you still, how are you still going Even though you've gone through all of these horrible things, how are you still going? And it's in that moment you can tell them about the goodness of God and the God that you serve. And you can bring them hope in the midst of their situation. Not everyone will support it. Not everyone's going to be ready for it. Not everything is going to be perfect. But it's in that environment that God will establish something great in your life if you choose to follow him. And my prayer this morning is that you will continue to follow God in the midst of your opposition, in the midst of the hard times. And if you do that, you'll begin to see victory established in your life by the hand of God. Out of the ruins, God brings victory. Out of the ruins, God establishes victory in our lives. And I think that as as we continue to follow God and stay faithful, then your witness will increase. And like the people responded to Nehemiah, people will begin to respond to you. When he tells them, let's rebuild, this is how they reply. They said, let's start rebuilding. Let's start rebuilding. And so they began the good work. You can set something into motion. The very situation that you're praying about, the very thing that's broken, maybe in your relationship or in your family or in your children, if you continue to say, let's rebuild this life. Let's rebuild this life. God is not through with us yet. God's not done with you yet. God's not done in me yet. Let's rebuild something here by the grace of God. And they'll reply to you, let's start building. Let's start building. Let's start this in the name of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you've never given your heart to Christ, that's the greatest victory he can establish in your life. But there's always so much opposition when you choose to follow Jesus, especially for the first time. There's opposition in your heart. There's a war that goes even inside your mind, this tension that you begin to feel. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Am I going to, what is it going to look like? And you have these opposition, these opinions that start warring against you. What is my family going to say? What is my friends going to say? What are people going to think? 
That's the first opposition you're ever going to face when you follow Jesus. But can I tell you, the greatest victory of your life will be established in that moment when you decide to push through the opposition and stay obedient when God calls our hearts to follow him. So if you're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. You never asked him into your heart to be the Lord of your life. That is the moment that you need to surrender now. Say, God, I want to open my life to you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to bring victory out of the ruins of my life. You might be thinking, people won't, dis- won't support my decision. Well, follow God anyway. You might be saying, I'm not ready for this decision. I'm not ready to make it. They weren't ready for me to make it, but do it anyway. And you might think that there's a better time to make that decision. So many people say, I need to get my act right first before I go to church or before I come to God. I need to clean myself up a little bit. They're going back to that same lie that you think things got to be perfect before you follow Jesus. No, you don't have to be perfect. Jesus already is, and he said he covers you with his love, with his righteousness, with his goodness. So follow him. Follow him anyway. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't wait for tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds. There's not a better time, not a more perfect time than right now. For those who are following Jesus, there might be things in your life that God is calling you out from or calling you into and making some of those decisions right now are hard. God's speaking to your life. And I even think as I say it right now, God's speaking to some of you. He's telling you of a situation. He's telling you a a circumstance or a relationship or something. He's speaking to your heart right now. And you're thinking, God, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can. What's that going to look like? You're not sure what to do. The opposition seems too great. And if you took a step of faith, it could come crashing down around you. If I took a risk, everything could fall apart. But remember, God is in control. He is the one who is faithful to keep his word. And if he's calling you, then even in the midst of that opposition and how things might look, he can bring life and victory. Amen. So I challenge you this morning to continue to say yes to him and walk in faith, walk in obedience, trust the Lord that he'll see you through it. And last for those who've been following Jesus for years and you've taken steps of faith, And you've seen God come through. I would say don't grow complacent. in What God has done. Ask God for more. I think sometimes. Especially those who have been following Christ for years. And you've seen powerful move of God. You think that used to be. But it's not anymore. No. God can continue to do his work. And you can experience even greater moves of the spirit. Now than you have ever in the past. If you'll stay faithful, even in the midst of opposition and say, God, I'm asking you for greater victories, greater miracles, greater outpourings of your spirit than I experienced in the past. Because you're a faithful God who keeps his promises. And in the midst of opposition, I'm going to stay faithful for what you've called me to do. And I believe that if we can grab a hold of this message today, it'll change the way we think 
I think that we'll begin to think in our minds, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. We can think about it, but do we believe it? We'll believe that God is a promise-keeping God, that no obstacle, no obstacle can dictate the plans of God in your life. You'll be, begin to feel empowered by God, knowing that he has called you and has victory waiting on your obedience. Do you know that your victory in, in what you're looking for right now in your life could be just dependent on you taking that step of faith? Your victory is maybe one step away. And you'll begin to walk out the things that God has placed in your hearts for him, no matter how opposed others are or how daunting the task may be. And I believe that if we can live out this message, then we'll have victory in our family. We'll have victory in our marriages. We'll have victory in our kids' lives. We'll have victory in our community. We'll have victory at work and victory at school. We'll begin to see the Spirit of God move in places we thought was impossible for the Spirit of God to move. Places where people have told them, we don't want you here. We don't want God here. God will move because you're obedient in the face of opposition. I believe we'll see our community change. Our neighborhoods begin to turn around. I believe we'll see marriages healed and restored. I believe We'll see the neglected and the marginalized in our communities begin to be brought in by the power of God. I believe that we'll begin to see investment in our communities and in our town. All because we said yes to what God has called us to do. And we didn't give up when things got hard. God can do it. It's in the midst of our greatest opposition that God's greatest victories are born in us. No matter how bad things get, how bad things look, God can use the rubble of our lives, to rebuild our lives and the lives of others so that we can have victory in Jesus.